Well, we've been going through the Beatitudes, and we're going to continue that this week. We've talked about blessed are the poor, and uh, praise God, we, we fit into that category, don't we? Most of us, uh, hopefully all of us when it comes to the spiritual reality of things. And then uh, last week, we talked about blessed are they that mourn, and uh, we've all had times in our life when we have mourned and grieved, and God, God promises a blessing. And today, we're going to continue on with blessed are the meek, and that's probably one of the most confused ones of them all. What, what does it mean to be meek? We're going to try to discover that today. Uh, so let's open with our scripture, Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 2 through 12. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, he says, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, he says, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We're going to look at this idea of blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And remember, when we talk about this word blessed, it could be interpreted our word happy, but it's a little different than the word that we think of as happy. This blessed is a blessing that's bestowed upon us by God because of our relationship with him. It's not based on any outside circumstances. It's different than the happy you feel when someone slips you a $20 bill. It's different than the happiness you feel when uh, your PG&E bill comes and it's lower than you expected. It's different, uh, it's different than you, when you find out that you got a tax return and you didn't think you were getting one. Those things, are they'll make you happy, amen? And you might shout like the song, oh my glory, glory. But this happiness is a happiness that comes from God. In fact, one author said that this is a happiness that sometimes we may not even realize we possess it. That it's an observation that God has that says, because of your relationship with me, he says, you are blessed, you are happy, and and we carry that around no matter what the circumstances are around us. I mentioned earlier, last week we quoted from Dallas Willard, who wrote a great book called The Divine Conspiracy that was all about the Beatitudes. And uh, let me read to you a passage from his book this morning. He says, so we must see that from our, from our heart, that number one, and he gives the Beatitudes. He says, blessed, and he gives modern day, if you will, Beatitudes. He says, blessed are the physically repulsive. Blessed are those who smell bad. How many of you qualify there? Amen. The twisted, the misshapen, the deformed, the too big, too little, too loud, the bald, the fat, and the old. I'm beginning to qualify for almost all of those. Two, two out of three ain't bad, amen. For they are all riotously celebrated in the party of Jesus. He goes on and he says, Then there are the seriously crushed ones, the flunkouts and the dropouts and the burnouts, the broke and the broken, the drug heads and the divorced, the HIV positive and the herpes ridden, the brain damaged, the incurably ill, the barren and the pregnant too many times or at the wrong time, the overemployed, the underemployed, unemployed, the unemployable, the swindled, the shoved aside, the replaced, the parents with children living on the street, the children with parents not dying in the rest home, the lonely, the incompetent, the stupid, 
the emotionally starved or emotionally dead, and on and on and on. Dallas Willard asks, is it true that earth has no sorrow, that heaven cannot heal? It is true. It is precisely the gospel of heaven's availability that comes to us through the Beatitudes. And you don't have to wait until you're dead. Jesus offers to all such people as these present blessedness of the kingdom, regardless of their circumstances. The condition of life sought for by human beings through the ages is attained in this quietly transforming friendship with Jesus. I like that. That is really the heart of the Beatitudes is that Christ comes along and no matter where we are, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, God comes along and he says, through my son Jesus Christ, you can experience true happiness. The ones that are thrown away by society, the ones that are looked over by society, the ones that might not fit into our perfect little world, he says those are exactly the ones that Christ came to change. The gospel of Christ is powerful, amen? It changes lives. And some of you have experienced that as God came into your life and he brought blessings from what was a curse. Peter Kreft said this in a book called Back to the Future. And he asked, the question was asked, what is meekness? And he says, to see what meekness is, you must look not at meekness, but at Christ. Saying meekness is this or that sends you to concepts that are, that are just pale copies of reality. Saying Jesus is meek sends you to the living reality of it. So when we talk about meekness, that is the discussion, is what is it? And in fact, in our day and age, many equate meekness with weakness. We think of the child that's been beat down or or discouraged or told they'll amount to nothing and have no self-confidence, and we think of them as meek, but that's not the idea of meekness here in the Scripture. In fact, Jesus encourages us to be meek. Here's some thoughts from Scripture about meekness. Meekness is, sometimes you could say it is the ability to control our emotions or our feelings. Proverbs 16 and 32 probably describes meekness in in a very positive way. He said, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. And that would fall into that idea of meekness, because if I could rule my city, that I am more powerful than the one who, or my, my emotions, I'm more powerful than the one who could take a city. And Christ comes along and he says, if you're meek and you're able to control this and have this power under control, he says, you'll inherit the earth. Meekness is also talked about in Galatians 5, 22 through 23, as we're told about the fruit of the spirit. And aren't you glad that it is included in the fruit of the spirit? Because this ability to control my emotions and this ability to be humble and gentle and all of these things, it doesn't come naturally to us. He says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, and then he says meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. The English Standard Version uses the word gentleness for the word meekness, as well as many other versions of Scripture. And that's probably a good word for meekness, is to say they're gentle, they're meek. But I don't think that word really is exactly the word we're looking for. Some translate the word as being humble, And that would certainly be a category of meekness. Even though maybe someone is great in our eyes, they have this spirit of meekness about them. They're humble. They don't consider themselves great. They're just like us. And so they've managed to be meekness. But these words are more about our relationship to others. And I would suggest to you this morning that when it comes to the biblical term meekness, I think it's more about our relationship to God. 
I think it is more about our willingness to submit to him. In fact, when you go in scripture, you find Bible characters that exhibited meekness in their lives that sometimes we don't think about. Abraham was a a great man of God, wasn't he? And he did so many things, but Abraham had meekness in him. Was there times when he stood up for himself? Absolutely. Were there times when he was willing to go to war and and fight for his nephew Lot? Absolutely. But he was meek in his relationship to God. And by that, this meekness is kind of described as this willingness to submit myself to God. That's where the meekness comes in. And because of my submission to God, it gives me the courage to do whatever I have to do in this life. In other words, because I have submitted to God my will, my life, my everything to God... Whatever he leads me to do, I will do. And whatever it takes to do that, I will do that. And so meekness is not a a weakness about us, but it is really our greatest strength because we have submitted to Christ. A.W. Tozer, the great theologian, once said this, The meek man is not a human mouse afflicted with the sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be in his moral life as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson but he has stopped being fooled about himself. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he is as weak and helpless as God declared him to be, but paradoxically, paradoxically, he knows at the same time that he is in the sight of God of more importance than angels. In himself, nothing. In God, everything. And that is his motto. That's the idea of meekness. A word study on the word used for meekness here in, in Matthew's passage tells us that it's from a Greek word that is pronounced preus, preus. And that word is used to describe a soothing medicine. A soothing medicine. Have you ever had a medicine like that that just made you feel good instantly? I had a bad toothache this last two weeks ago. And... Uh, uh, the dentist actually took care of it for me, but before that, he gave me some medicine. And man, that medicine just soothed that toothache away. But I'll tell you what, that was not a weak medicine. It maybe would be categorized as a meek medicine. It was soothing and it was gentle to, to my senses, but it was very powerful. Last night I got home and I'd had a long day and I finally sat down. I brewed a cup of coffee and turned the TV on and The Horse Whisperer was on, one of my favorite movies. And and I watched the uh, buck, the guy that's the horse whisperer, as he's going to approach this horse that's been in an accident. And here's this horse. And you think of horses. In fact, we name horses sometimes things like gentle. But any horse, whether you name it gentle or not, can kick the side of a barn out. Strong. But once that horse has been trained, it's meek. In fact, the word meekness here, this preus, is used by sailors to also describe a gentle breeze. And yet we know that as gentle as that breeze is, those sailors, if they're skilled at all, can harness the power of that breeze. Ever watch some of these sailboat races? It is amazing. Just, they just finished the America's Cup there in San Francisco outside of AT&T Park. And it was, it's phenomenal to watch these ships as they go up with no motor, no engine, just sails, and they reach speeds that are crazy just by harnessing the power of a gentle breeze. This word is also used by farmers to describe a broken colt. And so the picture you get from this word is that definitely meekness is not weakness. If anything, it is power that's been kept under control, that's been harnessed. 
Jesus invites us all to a life of meekness. He said, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek or gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So this meekness is not this emotional abuse thing that's got us beat down so bad that we can't stand up for ourselves or speak up for ourselves. Rather, it's something that Christ has invited us to be a part of. He said, if you're weary and you're worn and you're tired, he says, you come to me and you learn of me. You learn how I live. And he says, because I am meek and lowly in heart. Oh, how we need to be meek because meekness provides us with the blessings of God. I think that when Christ shared this portion of the Beatitudes, that he was thinking of Psalms 37. I think that he was basically preaching a message on a passage of Scripture that the Jews would have been very familiar with. And I want to share that with you this morning. Psalms 37, uh, listen to what he says. He says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. As we read that, you say, what does that got to do with the beatitude? Blessed are the meek. But remember, he said, blessed are the meek for what? They shall inherit the earth. Listen to what the psalmist goes on. He says, for the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit, or the meek shall inherit the land, and delight themselves in abundant peace. And so, if he is using this phrase, "the meek shall inherit the land," and by the way, the word there is literally earth. He's using that very same phrase. Jesus uses it in Matthew, and I believe he's quoting it from Psalms 37. This, the meek will inherit the earth. And so I propose this morning that Psalms 37 describes for us who the meek are. That we can learn from this psalm what it means to be meek. And again, the promise applied is that we'll inherit the earth. Let's look at that psalm for just a little bit. In verse 5, he says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. And the very first thing that we need to do in order to be meek, to seek out this trait of meekness, is trust God and believe that he will act on our behalf. That's what he said. He says, trust in him and he will act. That is the essence of meekness is that I don't have to fight for myself. I don't have to be a warrior for my cause. I don't have to defend myself. I can trust God and count on him to act for me on my behalf. The person who lacks meekness is always fighting a battle. They're always standing up for their rights. They're always saying things like, I'm not going to let people talk to me that way. I'm not going to let them do me that way. Whereas the person with meekness finds happiness and joy because they simply trust God. And they say, God will act for me. God will defend me. God will protect me. We need to learn to trust God. And when we finally trust God, it's then that we receive the blessing. It's then that we find true happiness. How many of you heard the term control freak? You ever heard that term? How many of you could say that pretty much is on all of my resumes that I send out? 
I was educated here, I've worked here, and personality traits, I'm a control freak. I've got to control everything. That is counter to this idea of meekness that says, I don't have to control everything. I have to trust God. And he is a God worthy of our trust, isn't he? He's proven that over and over. Meekness is trusting God. It's a deep belief that God will come through for us. You know, there are a lot of phrases that we kind of throw out and we don't really think about what we're saying. And, and I think trusting God is one of those phrases, right? We find ourselves in trouble and sometimes what do we say? We say, well, I'm just going to trust God. And then we go home and we chew all of our fingernails off. We call the bank and see if they'll extend us a loan, a line of credit. And, and we, we start calling people and asking for help. And, but, but we're just trusting God. No, this trust is a real trust. This trust is the kind of trust that just turns it over to God and says, I truly believe you, God. I really trust you, God. I know. I don't just hope. I know that you will come through for me. Trust God. He will act. The second thing that the psalmist says here about those who are meek is he says they commit their way to the Lord. In verse 5, once again, he says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. And I kind of reverse those, but really, I think before we can commit our way to God, we have to trust him, right? We just don't give important things to people that we don't trust. I'm kind of freaky about my keys sometimes. Sometimes Kathy will lose her keys, and she'll say, can I use yours for right now? And I'll say, yeah. I guess so. And then I'll follow her until she opens what she needs to open. I'll say, okay, I'll take them back now. If you lost your keys, I don't want to trust you with mine. And I have to be able to trust God in order for me to commit my way to him. The Hebrew word for commit here, when he says to commit your way, the Hebrew word is, it means to roll. And really what he's saying is when I have come to trust God, it's then that I will roll everything over to him. I'll roll over my relationships to him. I'll roll over my finances to him. I'll roll over my business to him. I'll roll over everything to him. I'll just kind of slide it across the table and say, God, you take care of this. Isn't that what the New Testament says when he says casting all your cares upon him? Why? Because he cares for you. So those who are meek have trusted God that he will act. They have committed their ways to the Lord. They have rolled everything God's way. And the psalmist goes on and he says in verse 7, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And those who are meek have learned to do just that, to be quiet and wait for the Lord. The movie... Last evening as I was watching this horse whisperer guy, he would go out and he didn't say a whole lot and that was really pretty accurate to the man in real life. He's a man of few words and he'd be working with the horse and just staring at his horse and maybe throw a pebble down here and a rope over here but never say a thing. But the woman who had brought this horse to him was one of them that could never shut up. And she'd sit there and he'd be doing his thing and she goes, is it working? And then the horse would go crazy because it was interrupted. One day he finally sat down to her and she was on the porch and it was a relaxing scene, but it kind of focused down on her boots and her feet were just kicking. And he goes, can you ever sit still? And I wonder sometimes if that's where we are spiritually. 
that we find it very hard just to be quiet and wait for God. That we do more talking this direction rather than that direction. We do more talking than listening, and communication requires both, doesn't it? You ever had a conversation with someone that didn't let you talk? Those can be frustrating. You start to say something, and they blah, 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 right back in. And I'm afraid sometimes we're that way with God. We go to Him and we talk, 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 but we never take the time to listen for God. And sometimes it's in those quiet moments when we have finally talked ourselves out that we just sit in silence and God begins to speak. Be quiet and wait for the Lord. The psalmist says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. The meek, they discover that God can be trusted. Then they commit their way to Him. And then third, they wait patiently in stillness for the work of God in their life. Sometimes we struggle with just being patient, don't we? We pray and we say, God, here's what I want. And then we follow up with, by the way, I want it now. And God doesn't always work that way, does he? God hears our prayers, and I believe he hears them the instant they're spoken. In fact, I believe Scripture teaches that God knows our words before they ever roll off of our tongues. He knows our thoughts. And so God knows what we're asking for instantly. Sometimes the answer we must wait for. John Piper says this. The fact that we wait patiently. He says this does not mean they become lazy. It means that they are frenzy free ever lived your life and people could describe you as always being in a frenzy? They have a kind of steady calm, he says, that comes from knowing that God is omnipotent or all-powerful. That he has their affairs um, under his control and that he is gracious and will work things out for their best. Meek people, he says, have a quiet steadiness about their lives in the midst of upheaval. You ever been around someone like that? They are going through the fire. And you sit and you wonder, how do they stay so calm? I've been around some Christians in some very stressful times. And I've just been blessed to watch some of them handle things with such grace. But I also know that it's not necessarily them. It's the fact that they have trusted God that they have rolled this situation over to God to let him care for it, and now they are patiently waiting for him to move. And he will. The psalmist goes on, and he gives us another thing about these that are meek. He says, be still, in verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And then he says this, fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Those who are meek do not fret or worry about the wicked. They don't spend a moment thinking about it. And that doesn't come natural, does it? 
All of us would probably be honest to say there have been times when we have watched wicked people and it seemed like they get away with everything they're doing. And not only that, they prosper in this world while we suffer. Meekness is when I have developed the ability to just to trust God, turn my affairs over to Him, wait for Him, and quit worrying about the other guy. Meekness is revealed in, in that our hearts and spirits are not corrupted by watching the evil around us. Life setbacks, obstacles, trials, they don't lead the meek to become bitter or callous. The meek have trusted God. They've committed everything to Him. They are waiting patiently for Him to work, knowing that all things work together for good to those who love God, and they trust God for that. And so they don't spend every waking moment worrying about things. Neither do they stay up all night thinking about things. They fret not themselves about these things. And then in verse 8, listen to what he says, this idea of not worrying about the evil. He says, refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Control these things. Stay away from these things. This is the heart of meekness here. He says, don't let your life become filled with anger, rage, with wrath, with bitterness, with discontentment and disappointment. He said, fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. Are we meek? Do we trust God? Have we committed our ways to Him? Are we waiting patiently for Him to act? Or are we sitting around worrying about everything? He said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Listen to what Psalms 37 verses 9 through 11 goes on. He says, for the evildoers will be cut off. You're worrying about them and you're fretting them, but they'll be cut off. Those who wait for the Lord, though, they'll inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there, but the meek shall inherit the earth and delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Meekness has a lot to do with this abundance of peace that he talks about. Someone who is meek just has this peace about them. The meek will inherit the earth. Romans 8 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him. And I wanted to share that verse with you because he says the meek will what? Inherit the earth. And that's nice. It doesn't say that we will conquer this land. It doesn't say that, you know, as Christians, we're going to go out and we're going to take this world over. He says, no, we're going to inherit the earth. It already belongs to our Father. Everything here, the earth and all that's in it belongs to him. And because we're his children, he says, we'll inherit this. It's ours already. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the scripture says. I ran across this story about Dallas Seminary. Let me share it with you. It says, in the early years, or in its early years, Dallas Theological Seminary faced a financial crisis. The faculty and board had a serious prayer meeting in the office of its president, Dr. Chafer. For hours, the men prayed for God to find them funding that they desperately needed. Harry Ironside, one of the greatest preachers of that era, soon stood and he cried out, Lord, we know you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Please, 
sell some of them and send us the money. <laughs> a few moments later, a cowboy strolled into the business office. He told the secretary, ma'am, I just sold two carloads of cattle in Fort Worth, but my business deal fell through. I got all this money on my hands, and it seems to me that God wants me to give it to this here school. Hope you'll accept this check. Handing her a check, he turned and left. And because she knew that the men would want to see the donation, the secretary knocked on the door of the president's office and handed Dr. Schaefer the check. He opened it, and his eyes looked at the check, and he saw that it matched the seminary's debt to the penny. Recognizing the signature as that of a cattle rancher, he turned to Ironside and said, Harry, God sold the cattle. Meekness is the ability to just turn things over to God and know He'll take care of it. He'll take care of it. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. And if we keep our hearts right, if we stay sweet with Jesus, if we remain meek, if we trust God, commit everything, wait patiently, and fret not, we stand to inherit it all. Blessed are the meek.